Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you. I'm always glad when Bailey lets me come. Um, he's he's uh, down in traditional. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. He's in the traditional service today, and he'll be back next week. And um, like I said, I'm always glad when he lets me come. So we're we're in this Lenten series, and we're switching pulpits, and so we're all kind of adjusting. So thanks for putting up with that as well. Um, I was thinking this week about um, mess ups that I've made in life. And um, I'm not going to tell you any of them, just so you know. I, I told way too much on myself so many times, so I thought I'd talk about someone else today. As you know, Robert Downey Jr. is one of the biggest stars out there right now. Uh, with the success of the Iron Man series and him playing Tony uh, Stark, um, he kind of rid himself of his box office label. And that label was box office poison for a lot of years. It's real interesting to me how Downey's uh, personal life and Tony Stark's character in Iron Man kind of parallel one another. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. When we watch both um, Tony Stark's, the character, and the actor who plays him, we've watched them grow before our eyes over the last 11 or, or more years. And for Downey, it's really a story of redemption. It's really um, a great story watching him kind of rise out of the ashes. You know, his father, I don't know if you know this or not, but his father was a, a great director. And so um, it was almost as though Robert was, was destined to become an actor. And he uh, was in front, of the uh, in front of the camera early on with, with performances in Chances Are and Less Than Zero. Um, but on the same token, even though he was doing really well in his early career in the box office, he was also dabbling with drugs early, early on, and you've probably heard that before. And, and every minute, the story would change. He would be doing great, and people would be excited for him, and then something would happen, and he would get into trouble. And then he would clean up, and then he'd get into trouble again, and finally... He, he, everyone thought he was on the right track. He won the Golden Glo Globe for Ally McBeal and finally seemed like um, his demons were behind him, but you know, you guessed it. He uh, got in trouble once more. And at that moment, when it was time to, to go to prison, it seemed that all hope was lost. But he didn't give up. He cleaned up his act. It's an interesting story. I, I, I read this uh, this week, and I, I, I'm hoping it's true because I'm telling you it's true. So I hope it is. Um, but actually, he, he went to Burger King, and he had a bad cheeseburger, and he got sick. And then he had this premonition, having eaten this and being really sick, that something really bad was going to happen to him. And so he drove to the ocean and threw all of his drugs in it in 2003. And as a matter of fact, if you ever saw the first Iron Man, there's a scene in it where he eats a bad cheeseburger and it's a nod to that day. So uh, I thought that was an interesting tidbit. He, he started slowly getting work, but you know, he had this label, box office poison. And so it was hard for him to get work. Someone very nicely helped him get a little bit of work and 
do some things. And, and he started slowly uh, doing better. He got married. He took up martial arts. And then came his blessing in disguise. He landed the role of Tony Stark. The first Iron Man made over $500 million worldwide. It led to multiple sequels. It has made MCU, which is Marvel Cinematic Universe, the most profitable movie franchise ever. And to think, they almost didn't hire him. He had messed up repeatedly. He had messed up publicly. He had given up, and he could have ended up dead. But he chose to try again. And here's the point. The point of all of this story is this, that we're all going to make mistakes, okay? Anyone in here without a mistake, please raise your hand, and when you do, then get up and leave, because you don't need to hear what I have to say today, okay? But as no one seems to be leaving, I'm thinking maybe we all need to hear that we all make mistakes, but we serve a God of many chances. We serve a God who, who is not surprised by our mistakes. We serve a God of redemption. And that brings us to our passage today. Peter was a guy of many mistakes. You know, Jesus was not surprised by Peter. In fact, he, he predicts the big one, you know. Just, just a short while before, Peter had been saying, you are the Christ. And then he, had been being, he was being told, um, get behind me, Satan, because he had just told Jesus, you're the Christ, but you're not going to die. So he goes from these high highs, you are the Christ, to these low lows, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus predicts this big failure. Not only is everyone going to be scattered, not, every, not only is everyone going to fall away, but you're going to deny me three times tonight. And Peter, of course, has uh, the reaction that most of us would have. He reacts the way we would expect. He reacts with indignation, with, uh, with overconfidence, with boastfulness, with pride. He says, not only will I not deny you, I'd even die for you. He tells, you know, the savior of the universe, you're wrong. What arrogance. And that, perhaps that's why most of us love Peter. How many of you love Peter? I, I love Peter. You know why? Because I am so like Peter in all the bad ways. So he gives me hope. He seems like the perfect representation of humanity to me. His nature is just so much like our own. And so here from, from the book of Mark, what happens next? While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by and she saw Peter warming himself and she looked closely and said, you are also with the Nazarene. And he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. And he went into, out into the entryway. And then the servant girl saw him there and said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. And after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. And he began to 
called down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man that you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now that is the infamous event in the young life of Peter that all the church knows about. So what is it to deny Jesus? Well, it seems like there are three great possibilities. We can deny Jesus just like Peter did with an outright, I don't know him. Forthright denial, I don't believe in him. That's all bull. Or we can deny Christ by our silence. We can deny him by our hypocrisy. There's lots of ways that we can deny Christ. But the, the point here is this, that, that it doesn't matter how we do it. No Christian is beyond the possibility of a real moral failure. Every one of us can fall. We need not get overconfident. We're often attacked at the point of our strengths, not the point of our weaknesses. Peter, Peter was, was attacked, certainly. If you had asked Peter just six hours earlier to name his strong points, he would have said, it's my boldness and my courage. He would have said something like, well, I put my foot in my mouth sometimes, but at least I'm not afraid to speak up. Jesus knows that I'm always going to be there for him when, I, when he needs me. But by himself, Peter is absolutely helpless. By himself, in that moment of crisis, he fails at the very point at which he pledged eternal faithfulness. And should that surprise us? I mean, after all, why should we be attacked only at the point of our self-perceived weakness? Let me tell you, I know my weaknesses. And it's in those areas that I am the most guarded. It is in those areas that I try to prepare for the most and try to overcome. No, it's in the weaknesses that we're going to be attacked because we tend to take those areas for granted. We say, well, that's not a problem for me. I have other problems, but this area is no temptation. And that's where we will fall. You know, I believe that God allows us to fall in order to strip away our excessive overconfidence. And that's what he did for Peter. Never again would Peter stand up and boast about his courage. In the future, what we hear him talking about is his humility and steadfast dependence on God rather than himself. The truth is, and the point is, is that God, God can redeem our mistakes if we will let him. I noticed two encouraging facts about the way Jesus treated Peter after the denial. Jesus never criticized Peter, and he never gave up on him. He knew the denial would happen long before it did. He knew he was going to mess up. He predicted it. He knew the kind of man, though, that Peter would be afterwards. That's why he said, when you have turned back, not if, but when. He knew that Peter's heart was good and was for him. And I think there's an important principle at work here. You know, a bone that is broken 
often becomes stronger after it heals at that point of the break. And the same is true with rope that has broken and then been spliced back together. It's at the hands of the splicer. When, when it gets spliced back together, it's stronger than it was before. And I think the same is true of our failures. When we fail in a particular area, we are more cautious to not fail in that same area again. That's what happened to Peter. His guilt was turned into grace and his shame, his shame was turned into sympathy and his failure into faithfulness. No story in the Bible, I think, gives us more hope than this one. If Peter can fall, then anybody can fall. And if Peter can come back, then anyone can come back. You know, there's something else I want to mention, and and that's this. I want to ask the question, where did this story come from? How do we know about this story? We're not told that other disciples were there watching. I believe that it came from Peter himself. I believe that Peter understood the importance of being transparent with people, of saying, this is what I did, and this is what the outcome was. I think most of us try to hide our mistakes. But I think Peter, I think Peter was, was happy to share because he helped, I think he, he understood that it helps us move forward and be used by God. I think it, it lays the groundwork for a law of spiritual progress in our lives that, that is basically this, that we cannot go back. We can't undo our failings. And we can't stay where we are. We've got to move forward. And so we must. We must go forward. And that's exactly what Peter did. Peter was betrayed by his own pride. He boasted that he wouldn't deny Jesus. But later he commands people to humility in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Peter was besieged by his own laziness. He went to the garden with Jesus and was asked to stay awake and pray. But but instead of praying and being prepared for what was coming, he slept. But later he exhorts all of us to diligence in 1 Peter 5. Peter had a bout with cowardice. He followed Jesus at a distance And his fear caused him to deny him. But later, he exhorts us to glorify God and to speak out despite the suffering we might have. Peter gets influenced by the people around him. But later, he calls us to be influenced by God only and to be a a people who are set apart. When Peter concludes his second epistle, he does so with a warning. He says, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. He encourages us to grow in grace and knowledge. I think Peter is this perfect example of a person whose failures are redeemed and then his life is used for great good for God. You know, it might be interesting for all of you to know that years later, long after Downey 
uh, after his prison experience, after, long after his recovery from drug addiction. He receives a reward, he received a reward, and, and at that reward ceremony, he was allowed to choose the person who would present that reward to him. I want to read you part of his speech. This is what he says. He says, I asked Mel, Mel Gibson, to present this award for me, or to me for a reason. Remember that Mel had just been arrested for drunk driving and for just saying horrible things and doing some horrible things. But this is what he said. I asked Mel to present this award for a reason. When I couldn't get sober, he, Mel Gibson, told me not to give up hope and encouraged me to find my faith. He said it doesn't have to be his faith or anyone else's as long as it's rooted in forgiveness. And I couldn't get hired, so he cast me in a lead uh, of a movie that was actually developed for him. In doing that, he kept a roof over my head and food on the table. And most importantly, he said, if I accepted responsibility for my wrongdoing and embraced that part of my soul that was ugly, he called this hugging the cactus. He said that if I hugged the cactus long enough, I'd become a man, the man I am intended to be. He continued, I did, and it worked. All he asked in return was that someday I help the next guy in some small way. It's reasonable to assume that he did, at the time he didn't imagine that the next guy would be him or that someday was tonight. So anyway, on this special occasion and in light of the recent um, events, I would ask that you would join me, unless you are completely without sin, in forgiving my friend his trespasses and offering him the same clean slate you have allowed me allowing him to continue his great and ongoing contribution to our collective art without shame. He has hugged the cactus long enough. I love that. When I, when I heard that, I, I was really touched by that. But this week as I was thinking about this story, I, I really thought that a couple of things in it needed to be shifted. You see, because it is Jesus who is our Redeemer, who knows us more intimately than we know ourselves. He knows and predicts that we are going to mess up again and again and again. But here's the thing. He sees beyond our failure. And here's the difference between Jesus and all of the society that Downey is talking about in his speech. Jesus doesn't act, ask us to hug the cactus. Instead, he restores us, and he uses us for his kingdom. And when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us and remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. See, our God, our God is the God of second and third and fourth chances. So if you are a person like I am who messes up and who keeps messing up, Know this, your mess-ups, my mess-ups do not disqualify us from forgiveness, from being loved, or from the plan and the use that God has intended for us. So don't give up. Simply give your mess-ups over to the God who, 
who doesn't ask us to hug the cactus, but instead loves us through the mistakes.